You're listening to the Clutter Fairy Weekly, a weekly webcast and podcast brought to you by the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas. If you'd like to participate in one of our live webcasts, please visit cfhou.com slash weekly. You'll find a calendar of upcoming webcasts, as well as instructions for joining the Zoom meeting via the app or by phone. We'd love to see you. That URL again is cfhou.com slash weekly. Now here's the weekly episode. Enjoy. Hi, Clutter Fairy fans. This is the Clutter Fairy Weekly for February 27th, 2024. I'm your co-host, Ed Gumnick, and I'm speaking with Gail Goddard, certified professional organizer and owner of the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas. Hi, everybody. The Clutter Fairy Weekly is the webcast and podcast that digs deep into the clutter that piles up between you and the life that you want to be living. We explore the habits and behaviors that lead to clutter, and we suggest strategies to slow the accumulation, reduce the collection, and comfortably manage the stuff we decide to keep. If you're new to our Zoom meeting, we want to let you know that you can share your comments and questions via the chat, and I'll try to make sure Gail addresses them before we move on to another topic. You can also use the raise hand feature if you'd like to make a comment or ask a question yourself via audio or video. And we're streaming the webcast live on Facebook as well. So I'll monitor your questions and comments from there. We're going to start by talking about last week's weekly tittle, which was called a fresh start. The assignment was to come up with a plan for tasks to include in your spring cleaning regimen and ones to leave out, a sort of kinder, gentler approach to spring. Let's hear from our participants in Zoom and on Facebook. Who drafted a spring cleaning project plan this week? Please let us know in the comments. Gail, have you uh, started your spring cleaning yet? Hi. I did actually do some things that I would consider to be spring cleaning prep. Um, I went over to the washing machine and realized that the, I have two containers I have cleaning supplies that the maid uses when she cleans the house. And one of them had a bunch of rusty stains in the bottom from the cans. And I picked up some cans and realized that the bottoms were rusty. And so um, I pulled that out and scrubbed the inside of the plastic container and got it clean again and taped up the bottom of the cans that were rusting. I get out, you know, duct tape or packing tape or whatever and cover those up so that the rusty rims aren't don't continue to stain things. <clears throat> and um and I wiped down I got out a Clorox wipe and wiped down the top of the washing machine it was dirty and dusty and you know wiped some of the edges where some of the stuff goes and so um I, I did a little uh cleaning around the washing machine it was one of the things that we talked about and so right. it was fresh in my mind and I was doing laundry <laughs> and I looked at it and I was like I need to take my own advice <laughs> I need to clean this right now <laughs> and and so I did and it involved you know, pulling those, there was actually two containers and I pulled everything out and cleaned it all and wiped down things. And I even went so far as uh, like you use cans for a while and then they start to get dirty and get muck on them. I actually washed some of the uh, cleaning supply cans, wiped them down so that they were, you know, sort of fresh again. And so that was, that felt like a spring cleaning thing to me for sure. Yeah. I didn't really do any myself. I, but I did supervise some, (laughs) Uh, you were you the know, guy that, in charge I, well and and answering <clears throat> answering Jaime's questions you know that when it comes to the kitchen he he always has to come to me and say what the heck do I do with this and so <laughs> I, I supervise some spring cleaning that works um, that totally works Anita's got her hand up so let's let's ask Anita hey Anita her. do you have a tittle report yeah I 
I planned something and I did it and I completed it. That I have a guest room and I thought that my grandson and his girlfriend were coming to stay. Right. Oh, right. I, but I remember I, I was there was a weird odor in there and I thought, oh, I think I oh, might dear. have a mouse, maybe a dead mouse. <clears throat> well, A, I found out that he's gonna stay in a hotel when he comes, but I did it anyway. I got everything out of the walk-in closet and I cleaned it and I we got this new spray called Poof, which is supposed to kill all kinds of organic odors, but they tell you if there's anything on the ground, you gotta pick that up first. Right. But I did the whole, what I found was, I found mousy stains along a, like a 13 foot wall and then across. I did that whole edge of the wall with um, a toothbrush and you know rug stuff. Ooh. First I vacuumed, then I did it with a toothbrush and rug spray, and then I sprayed it with poof. And I vacuumed the whole room and I vacuumed the whole closet. And I actually wound up taking two, that storage, that closet is all storage. Right. And I actually got two big bins. I looked at them, I said, I don't need this stuff anymore. And I gave them the bins and everything in them. Awesome. I went to Goodwill. Anita. Well done. I'm so proud yeah. of you. Oh, I'm so proud of myself. I can Rock hardly Rock and stand. roll, baby. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, because, you, are... you know, I'm going to have a guest sooner or later. Exactly. And I don't Man. want the guests to be mice. And I, right. those stupid, those, those, you know, little wooden mouse traps, they work the best. That's how we caught mice in our furnace room. But yeah. I can't set them up. They keep slamming on almost on my fingers. So my brother set up two of them and we put them in um, the two corners. He put them in two corners for me. And now my schedule is once a week, I got to go down. I got to open that room. I got to check and make sure I have no signs of mice in there at all. And no dead ones in the two corners. Right. Awesome. You, know, you are the second person to recommend poof to me this week. Yep. I was chatting. Oh, that's funny. I was chatting with a neighbor whose dog. Um, I don't think I can't really call it accidents that she ha she. I don't think she has accidents in the house. I think she has willful uh, episodes where yep. <laughs> she's just a little annoyed, and so it's she goes revenge. in the house. Yeah, canine but, revenge. So that's two recommendations for poof. I'm going to have to check it out. <laughs> Understand you can even use it like if you have a dog that has, you know, like one of those wrinkly faces, you can oh. put it in the folds. I mean, it doesn't irritate skin or anything. Or oh, wow. If you just have, you know, old dogs get really stinky sometimes. Right. They can't help it. And you yeah. can't use room deodorizer on them. But this poof stuff is good. It's P-O-O-P-H. So it's poof well, with an H. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Thank you for the tail report, you. though. I think it's awesome that you you recognized that you needed to do something and you went down there and made it happen. And you got as part of, you know, you were basically trying to address the smell, but as a, an ancillary bonus, you got two big bins of things out and out to goodwill. And, and those spaces are now empty. So super proud of you for doing that. That's a great tool report. Thank you for sharing. Yay. I will say that um, one of my friends, um, um, client zero, she reported to me that she did the list, but she wouldn't tell me what was on it. <laughs> so she said we had the list and I had to come over to help her work on it, but she wouldn't tell me what was on it. So I have a, a little uh -oh. trepidation about what projects I'm going to be working on when I go to her house. Oh, boy. <laughs> but she was super proud that she made a list. 
Um, Kara says my top three clear leaves off the deck and wash the deck. Ooh, that's it, a good one. Is it just an accident that there are only two things on your top three, Kara? <laughs> or did I miss something? Maybe clearing the deck <laughs> is two steps. Um, Jane says this past week I had the service here to do what I what what I'd hoped would be a deep cleaning. I gave them specific things I wanted done, but they did more of a general than deep cleaning. The next time I decide to pay for the service, I think I need to hire a team that specifically does deep cleaning. I do have the window cleaner scheduled in a few weeks, which is part of my spring cleaning plan. Oh, that's great. And I'm glad that you're doing that so that you're not the one that has to get out and, um, you know, climb on things and, and use those, use that equipment. So good job. I always had the trouble with the, when I, when I used housekeepers cleaning services, I always had the problem that, I every any time I asked them to do something different, it threw them for a loop. You know, they would rather someone every who routine. You know, does it every week wants to dust everything. Well, you don't you don't really need to dust well, before I had a dog, you don't really need to dust every <laughs> single thing that's sitting out every single week. And but now so, you have a dog. You know, I'd say, you know, maybe this week you could do, you know, this this extra thing that you never do. But uh, I end up doing most of it myself. Catherine says, washed three quarters of house windows, too cold to continue. Yeah, but good job. Three quarters of the way means you don't have very much left to go. So when it warms up again, you'll be ready to finish. And won't you be happy? And you're probably already looking out through the three quarters that you did and thinking how beautiful it looks. So good job. Okay, Kara amended her comment. She said, oops, one, clear deck of leaves and wash deck. Two, that was actually only one thing. Oh. Two, go through and organize slash declutter garage and wash garage floor. Done. Oh, that's a big one. Three, clean entire fridge slash freezer. Done. Yeah. Four, oh, she has, she has more. Four, call window washing company for bid. Done. And I have more listed about nine more. I'm excited. That's awesome. Good job. You guys are rocking the spring cleaning right now. Yay. That's um, wonderful. Lisa Beth says, I updated my plan to remove outdated things and include new things caused by a tornado slash derecho last June. Oh, goodness. Um, CJ reports, mom and I made a spring clean plan to finish sorting and clearing out her storage unit before the oh, end of this month. So that's a good one. Stop paying that expense once and for all. We're on track. We've re reduced it to less than 50%. That's huge. That is great. And you definitely want to be doing it while you can tolerate being out there. Um, you know, in the dead of summer is not a good time to try to be emptying a storage unit. So go team, go. You're doing a good job. I'm so glad that you're doing it now. And you will be so, you will feel so much relief when it's complete and you hand the key back to the guy. You'll be so happy. That's really wonderful. Cheer, come and tell us how it goes. We'll, we'll keep cheering you on while you do that. Christina says, cleaned my windows and windowsills and prepped my pots for, for my spring plantings. Went Yay. through my pots and donated ones I don't really like the color of. There you go. So you don't need to keep them, right? Good job. Sherry says, I ordered supplies but still haven't written a plan or started on it yet. That's okay. We, we launched this topic early this year so that people would put some thought into it and, uh, you know, get try and get a, a, get a leg first. up by having a plan. Right? You got the supplies. That's step one. M says, I put cleaning the insides 
insides of kitchen drawers on the spring cleaning list and actually cleaned one of the dividers. Oh, excellent. Very nice. And you don't realize how, um, I don't, I, I find this in the silverware drawer that you open the silverware drawer and there's that tray in there with all the slots in it. Right. And you go to pick up a fork and you look in the tray and there's gradu in the tray. Like it's a closed cabinet door. <laughs> I mean, it's a closed drawer. How does food or crumbs or whatever get in there and yet somehow they magically appear in our case it's it has something to do with the construction of the cabinets you know there's there's the material is just a little i think maybe it's there's a particle from the particle board closing there's some element that's particle board and so the opening and closing of the drawer just makes this little gritty dust I know, makes right? me crazy. It's so annoying. So yeah. every once in a while, you have to like pick up all the forks and wipe out the container and put the right. forks back. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's that's my spring cleaning is, oh, God, there's gradu in the silverware tray again. <laughs> that's really more than just, that has to be more frequent than once a year. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm definitely doing it more than once a year for sure. Uh, well, unless you're the only person who ever takes anything out of the silverware tray. Yeah, but it, you know, it's, you, it, it looks okay. gross. At some yeah. point, it's like that's just you know, it's supposed to be clean forks. It's not supposed to be dusty forks. <laughs> so right. it starts to feel like I'm you know not using clean utensils. So that doesn't that okay. doesn't suit me. Couple more tittle reports. Bella says gave away a box and bag of items. Planning Yay. to give away more. I can't believe how quickly things attract dust and how hard to clean the nooks, how, how hard to clean the nooks of one thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, Naomi says, I've made a second trip to Goodwill on behalf of my friend. She reported to us last week that she's been doing a lot of organizing work, decluttering work for, with a friend. Right. Now her bedroom and office closets have gone from overstuffed to having clothes that are nicely spaced out and organized into categories. Isn't that satisfying Ooh, to look yeah. at? I'm sure you feel really proud of yourself when you look at that. I the, like the, you could feel the stress level dropping as you go from overstuffed to nicely spaced out and organized into categories. I know, right? The difference, the contrast, the mental contrast between those two is very strong, right? Good job. Uh. Bella also says listed items for sale, but seems to take forever to sell. I wonder yeah, if it's because yeah. of my location, because I used to have consistent Facebook marketplace shipping sales. Maybe the algorithm changed. We also moved to a more suburban area, less transient. Unsure how that would affect shipping sale, though. Mm. I, I do not know. And Shana says call the sprinkler, sprinkler guy to repair the system. Hey, all these, you guys are like ticking off your to-do list. I'm so Seriously. proud of you. It was a right? very productive week. Y'all are really cracking on it. That's awesome. And, you know, it seems like they're, they're annoying tasks, but y you get the satisfaction of checking them off the list and, and then not looking at your sprinkler system and going, oh, I've got to call the guy. And you have that thought a hundred million times. And then once you've called the guy, you don't have to have the thought anymore. And it's such a relief. So good job. Everybody's doing great. Okay, two, I'm going to share two more because they're too good to resist. Okay. Mich and then, well, Michelle's is a follow-up. She okay. Michelle in Yorkshire reported to us last week about things she'd done. And today she, she says, I started work on my artwork this week, identified four to go up in the kitchen and took two of them to a local craftsman to make frames for them, identified three to go up in the office and at least one to leave, then spent three hours decluttering at my dad's house to allow the cleaner to get in on the ground floor. 
made major headway there and he has asked me to look at other areas next week. Oh, isn't that great? So he feels comfortable with you doing it and you can get it done now and be helpful for him. And that is really wonderful. Good for you. And good on you about making, figuring out where the pains are going to go and like getting them up. And, you know, if you don't want them, getting them out and you, great job. You're rocking it, Michelle. Good job. And our last one for today, last tittle report for today comes from JC, who says, we did entire balcony garden for next spring full moon. We'll hose off the spider webs in cocoons and take them back to the forest where they'll be happy. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> That's a lot of outdoor work, you guys. You're doing great. Okay, we should probably get on to our uh, our main agenda. We have three different topics. We're answering viewer and listener questions and talking about short topics that were suggested to us by our audience in our surveys and through our other channels. And uh, the first one we're going to talk about today is convenience versus clarity. Uh, we're going to talk, talk about striving for balance between convenience and clarity. What do we mean by this exactly? Christine offered this topic in a response to a recent survey. So we're going to start the conversation with her words. Christine writes, I read that patients with dementia are able to do a good job of brushing their teeth on their own if the bathroom counter has only toothpaste and a toothbrush out instead of a bunch of other stuff out on the countertop. I think being able to put most things away in bathroom drawers or behind a cabinet and take them out only when needed would help allow the mind to focus. Having lots of things out is definitely convenient, but on the other hand, it can be confusing. I don't have dementia, but I would like to use this idea of putting things out of sight to help me get other things done. And she gives an example. Even doing the dishes, I have too many cleaning supplies out on the kitchen counter where it's convenient, but messy. I think the clutter is making me not want to get the dishes done. Just too many different sponges, dish soap, dishwasher detergent, microfiber cloths, dish drying towels, dish drying racks, etc., are out in the open. So Christine suggested we discuss the convenience of having lots of stuff out in the open versus the clarity of being able to focus on only one thing at a time. And this is a really interesting idea to discuss. The idea of balancing having things out on the surface because it's convenient versus those things being out and also being a distraction. So could making our environment simpler and less cluttered help us gain back some of the ability to focus and concentrate that maybe we've lost? As Christine says, I think this applies not just for those with dementia, all of us have reductions in some capacities as we get older. Our mobility, flexibility, and ability to focus lessening over time. So the idea of lessening the distractions where we're actively doing things just makes logical sense to me. This is where the concept of frequency of use helps us make decisions about what could be out on the counter versus what needs to be put away. With limited counter space and the need to use something every day to function, what stays on the counter for convenience can be filtered based on the frequency of use. So let's use the bathroom as the example. Counter space is not usually endless in a bathroom. <laughs> you have to be in there every day to groom yourself and prepare for the day. So you're washing your face, you're brushing your teeth and your hair, uh, maybe putting on some makeup. If you have a big variety of products and supplies on the counter surface, it really becomes difficult to find what you need and to use it. So 
We have a lot of product options for all these activities, but we can only use one of them at a time. So why do all the options need to be out? The current face wash, the current toothpaste tube, the current daily makeup. These are the things that need to be available every day. And so makes sense being on the counter. All the million options of other products you can use can wait their turn in a cabinet. When something runs out, you get out a replacement. When you're dressing for a special occasion, you can get out some fancier options for makeup, for example. And the same thing applies in a kitchen. Uh, Christine talked about having so many cleaning products on the kitchen counter that it was distracting her and made her uh, avoid cleaning, which is kind of the exact opposite effect you want for buying all those cleaning products. Even if you might use each of your cleaning product options from time to time, you aren't using them all every day. So this is a perfect area to filter for frequency of use. Leave out one dishwashing liquid for hand washing, you know, if you're hand washing dishes during the day. Keep a sponge or a scrubber that you prefer. Uh, for some reason, I have one particular stick scrubber that I like. Can't tell you why it's my favorite. It's just my favorite. So that's the one that's out. Uh, maybe you want one product to wipe down the counter every day, and that's enough. When you have a bigger or an unusual cleaning job, you can get out the other options from their storage space. If you have those daily items out, the things that you need every day that are out, it's enough for you to function most of the time. And the rest of the time, you can pull out the products that you need from where it's parked out of sight. I'm using really practical examples here, but I'm trying to illustrate the broader concept that Christine discussed. A simpler surface with less going on beyond the most basic necessities can actually help you focus, get what you want done, and get going about your day. Looking at that lesser collection is less stressful, it's more relaxing. A quieter visual landscape can be more soothing to look over and help you focus. So evaluate your surfaces with this concept in mind and see if you can't reduce what stays out. You might find that your mind feels quieter and more ease and you can get the daily things you need to get done with less stress. Okay, let's go to some comments. Okay. Uh, Naomi says, I think the convenience versus clarity balance works out very differently according to how your brain is wired. Yes. I agree with that. Do you, do you have any thoughts on, you know, are there people who need to leave more things out because they need the triggers, they need the... Like there are tasks they won't remember to do if the thing is not out and visible. It that is a very um that's a very interesting balance. So the, I'm thinking of somebody who's ADD, for instance. Um, so they're easily distracted, and they maybe find that visual stimulus overstimulating and eat, like takes them off their target, takes them off the topic. But they also want to see things out, to remember, like that whole idea of if I don't see it, I, I'm not remembering to do it. And <clears throat> those things kind of collide, right? Because then you have a whole bunch of things out and then it sort of defeats the purpose because you can't see any of it because there's so much of it. And so it really is a balance for someone like that who needs to remember to do things and needs some visual cues sometimes to make that happen but also gets easily distracted by the yeah. volume, right? And so um, it does. It it it's a harder um, it's a harder path for somebody coming from that position, and they have to work at 
coming up with ways to help them remember without leaving it all out. Um, I, I heard a wonderful lecture at an April conference once by someone who is ADHD and also an organizer. And she talked about how she would get out of the house with everything that she needed. And one of the things she did was she would take little yellow stickies and write, I need, you know, don't forget to take X, Y, Z. And then she would stick it on the door, the front door and have it be hanging out so that it would be fluttering when she opened the door. <laughs> and she needed that movement to stop and look at the sticky and see if she got everything. And so it was sort of her way of making a list of things to take. And she would try to pack stuff up the night before, but then there would always be things that she would have to pick up or remember to grab as she went out the door. And she would list those on the door frame at eye level so that they, and let them hang over so they would move and flutter when she opened the door. And she needed that level of visual reminder to then look at her stickies and in essence, look at her list to make sure she hadn't forgotten everything. And I thought that was a fascinating adaptation and it worked really well for her. Um, and, you know, then you do it and you take the sticky down and start the next round for the next day. Uh, but it, it was a good way for her to learn to get out of the house with everything she was trying to not forget. <clears throat> I think anybody that is neurodivergent is struggling with uh, all kinds of issues around task sequencing. Issue, you know, how do you set priorities? How do you, um, you know, manage lists? How do you remember to do things? And that adaptation requires, yeah, yeah. And that adaptation requires um, coming up with special techniques that help you do it. And, and less distraction is usually, a big help part of the mix. Um, to circle us back yeah. to our conversation earlier. Yeah. It's, it is part of the mix for somebody who, if you're easily distracted, the more things that are out, the more you're going to struggle during the day. And so figuring out that balance or alternate ways to remember things besides having them out, having it out as the logical um, sort of natural response, but it, it is also uh, torpedoes people a lot. Yeah, because it gets because there's too much to remember and then there's too much out and then you can't see anything for the chaos that that is existing then. Uh, Sam says one thing at a time for me, each task is only done when it's back home in its place. Getting yourself to the end of the task before you are distracted to the next one. Um, it's hard to do that. And and great. Good job for you on focusing on that. And I think it is worth the effort to go, okay, I can't, yes, I know I want to go over there, but I'm not done with this and I need to go finish this because getting to that completion gives you a level of release um, and let's go of something that's been nagging you. And so I think it's important to try to get to the end of that task first and good job. I'm a little bit off that end of the spectrum. Yeah. That, like I'll, if I'm working on a, a drawing or something in the evening and I really want to continue it the next day, I will leave that particular drawing and the pencils and erasers I was using for that out instead right. of putting, putting them away because <clears throat> there are always so many things clamoring for my attention. I don't want to forget tomorrow that I wanted to work on this again, you know? Right, right, right. Um, I, and, but I, and I guess that's part of it for me is my memory is not the best. And so I will leave 
notes to myself in the form of things, you know, like I emptied something while I was cooking. And so I leave it there on the counter. It's, it has to sit there on the counter until I get it put on a shopping list. Ah, right. You know, that's good. I use but, the, but I the think what's interesting, reminder. what you just said was you left out the one piece of artwork that you were working on. Right. And, and the tools for that piece of artwork. So <clears throat> you're not leaving out 15 pictures. Right. Or projects that are in the middle of being done. You're leaving out the one that you're actively working on. And one thing is much less distracting than 20. Yeah. Right. So you're, you're making a balance there for yourself because you're only having the very one thing that you're working on right now. And that's great. Linda says clarity with fewer things out is helpful for me. I find that I don't mind taking things out or putting things away now that I have decluttered to the point where there's plenty of room to reach in, right? grab something and there place it go. back. Easy in and out, right? You don't, uh, when it's hard to put something away, it's a big barrier to entry. It's hard to get it. It's hard to make you do it. So good for you that you've gotten it to the place where you can easily put things away and that means that you can comfortably put things under the counter, put things in the cabinet and not worry about them until you need it for something. That's great. That's good. Kara says, I prefer to keep everything away in the kitchen and bathroom and grab it when I need it and then put it away. Now I'm thinking about this concept with my crafts. I think if I pare down or thin the herd, I'll have more clarity and focus on what I want to work on. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. And craft supplies breed. <laughs> <laughs> they grow when you're not looking and they become, you know, they they get added to quietly and you go shopping and add more and that collection gets bigger and bigger and you lose control of what you have in there. But if you can thin it down to stuff that you actually want to work with, um, it makes it easier for you to find the next project and it makes it easier for you to get through the supplies and, and they still don't all have to be out. So shift that concept to your crafts and see what, if you can improve your, creativity a little bit i have had conversations with artists who have said i can't go in my studio anymore it's too distracting it's too awful mm. and i don't feel like working on anything in there and if you've gotten to that point where the chaos is so so distracting to you that it shuts down your creativity then it sort of defeats the point of having a craft room right it's not you're not having any fun that way so um, getting it down to a level that doesn't distract you and instead inspires you and allows you to be creative is certainly the goal in a craft room. So dial it back until you don't feel so overwhelmed. Okay. Two more comments on this, and then we'll move on to our next topic. M says, I have a friend who uses stickies. She handed me an item in a bag that had a sticky on it with give to M written on it. <laughs> then another sticky take off sticky before giving to M. <laughs> <laughs> And then she didn't look at all her stickies, did she? <laughs> and I'll, I'll give the last word to Naomi, who says, but I need a to-do list where the first item is, remember to look at your to-do list. <laughs> yeah, we all have that problem, right? We make the to-do list and then probably stop looking at it for a week. Yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> all right. Our second topic today is avoiding consumerism. We want to talk about how to avoid falling victim to ads and consumerist messages that add to our clutter. Jane from Saskatchewan suggested this topic. Jane asked, do you and Ed have an active plan for how to avoid advertisements and societal pressure for material possessions? 
first, Ed found a really wonderful article about consumerism and signs that you're excessively consuming. So let's see if you recognize yourself in any of these. Um, one was if you buy more than you planned regularly. So if you leave with a list and a plan to shop and always come back with more than's on your list, that's a sign that you're excessively shopping. Um, do you accidentally buy things that you already have? Another sign of buying too much. Do you regret your purchases after the fact? Um, buyer's remorse is a real thing and a reflection that you acted on impulse rather than planning and need. And here's one that um, always surprises me. You regularly hide purchases, usually because those purchases were not in the plan. They were over budget. They already exist in some form in your house and they don't re represent an actual need. If you're hiding per purchases from other people in the house, <laughs> you know there's something off about doing it and you don't want to explain it to someone else in your household. I have lots of clients that do that. And I remember the first time that I encountered some, it was when I was in my twenties and, and she laughed about, she would go shopping and put things in the trunk and then sneak those things into the house later. And I thought that makes no sense to me at all. Why are you doing that? And and it, it was all about hiding it from, you know, the other person in the house. <laughs> it's like, wow, is that really necessary? You know, but for her, it was, and it was because she was buying stuff she didn't need and yeah, affecting, Jaime, their, affecting their budget. Jaime should probably be hiding some of the video game controllers and doodads he buys. <laughs> oh. So next, our viewer wanted some ideas to avoid marketing and societal pressure. So here's some things that we thought about that could help unsubscribe from everything you can possibly think of. <laughs> it seems like every time you buy something from an online vendor, you end up on their mailing list. This is no accident. Some retailers bury the, may we add you to our mailing list question in the fine print as you're placing the order. And others have the yes box checked by default. So you have to actually uncheck it to avoid being added to their list. They make it, um, you have to opt out. That's basically called opting out. You have to opt out um, manually in order to uh, keep yeah, from getting on their list. right? <clears throat> and so um, some others don't even bother to ask. They just assume that if you're buying something, you'll want to get emailed from them. So guess what? Just because they added you to their list doesn't mean you need to stay there. So make a habit of hunting down the tiny little unsubscribe link in the messages you get and take yourself right back off that list. If you ever want to order from that vendor again, it'll probably only take a moment to find the site. So don't worry about it being difficult for you. If you unsubscribe from a bunch of stuff. Um, the second one is get rid of magazine subscriptions. Magazines are some of the worst offenders for their ratio of advertising to editorial content. Like the stuff that you read is surrounded by millions of pages of ads. And although it's fun to flip catalogs and to flip magazines, all it does is its job, which is to stimulate your desire to buy something. And so flipping a magazine where you're seeing constantly ads going by trying to get to the article you wanted to read, it's just triggering you to think that you have to have that thing. And you know, the day before you open that magazine, you never heard of that thing. And so I don't know why you think <laughs> you're going to die without it the day you actually see the ad, but it means that they're doing a great job with the ad. So <laughs> not seeing those ads will help you. 
Um, and it's a it's a case to be made for throwing out catalogs um, right away so that you don't even flip them because flipping them is it, a catalog is just front to back advertisement for you to go shopping. So um, removing that temptation from you, removing that visual stimulus is a great thing to help you control your shopping a little better. Um, this is one about the web, Ed. So can you talk about this? Use well, an ad blocking extension. Only a little bit. There are there are extensions and plugins that you can add to your web browser mm. to with the intent of blocking ads. But the big caveat there is they're not they're never perfect and they may unintentionally interfere with the content that you, you're trying to see. And so if you do decide to look for an ad an ad blocker to your browser you have to make sure you learn how to use it, learn how to disable it when it conflicts with a site whose content you enjoy. Yeah. Usually with an ad blocker, you can tell it, uh, don't, you know, don't activate the ad blocker on such and such a site. You know, if you've got a, a news site you read that the ad blocker completely messes up and you want to make it an exception, you can do that. Right. I, so, th so that otherwise it, it'll let you read what you want to read. That's for the more, um, you know, computer savvy of you. <laughs> That's a suggestion for those of you that are computer savvy. Um, you can switch to the more expensive but ad-free versions of any kind of streaming content providers. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, think about YouTube, for instance. You can watch YouTube. You can pay to, you can pay to subscribe to the ad-free version, and then you don't see the ads. You just see the content you want. So... If you think about you're paying money to stream at ad free, but you're not spending money on stuff you don't need. So it costs you money to pay for the streaming service ad free, but then it saves you from spending money on a bunch of stuff you don't need. So it's a, I think it's a win-win from that standpoint. You're going to spend less money on the ad free version streaming than you are on the objects you're going to buy after you see all the ads. So um, just a thought. I'm going to add, one more um, that wasn't on our list. Uh, Jane commented, related to this topic, I was looking for something on Amazon last week, and this week got a snail mail postcard from one of the companies. Mm. I was shocked and knew my search triggered the snail mail. I'm used to seeing apps and online feeds, uh, ads in online feeds, but the snail mail from a company I have never purchased was from was new. For awareness, I've not yet bought the product, so the snail mail wasn't because of a purchase. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Um, and here's the here's the tip I'm going to add here, which is use for the for at least the first stage of your shopping, use incognito mode if you if your mm. browser supports it. I know yeah. Chrome does. Um, that's my browser of choice, but I think there's an incognito mode or something similar to that, and and that keeps <clears throat> that keeps the search engine from knowing exactly who you are ah. and where you're coming from and being and being able to match that to demographic data that they've collected on you right so jaime has actually suggested that as a he he does that when he searches for flights he goes into incognito mode and goes to google flights so that all he gets is the best price they have to offer not the ticket they're trying to sell him. Right, 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 know? right, right. Oh, that's a good idea. So um, basically, we're we're just suggesting ways for you to avoid 
the constant barrage of marketing messages that help trigger your sensation that you have to have that object and that you need to go buy something. So lots of people's biggest advertising exposure comes in the car during the daily commute. So if you are listening to commercial radio and listening to a bunch of ads all the time in between while you're listening to music, you can switch from that commercial radio to streaming your own music or podcasts or lectures or audiobooks so that you're you're buying a, a podcast or you're buying an audiobook or you're downloading free um mu- uh, free podcasts or you're buying the music but then you have your own playlist and you're playing it without interruption and I have to tell you that I find that much less stressful than uh, listening to the news in the car these days so um, I'm happy to listen to my own playlist and it, and it limits uh, how the daily news affects my mood. So <laughs> you can do the same thing about advertising by not listening to radio uh, that is streaming um, a bunch of ads at you while you drive. Um, next one is don't go into a store without a shopping list. Then you can put your focus on finding the things on the list and getting out of there as soon as possible. And make it a game to see how fast you can check the items off the list And this is referring back to our idea of gamifying everything. You can make it a game. You have a list. You go into the store. How fast can you find the items on the list and get to the checkout and and get out of there? And so that can be the game. You know, I have five things to find. How fast can I do that? How many minutes can I do this in? And let that be your race. And then you're focused on winning the game and finding the items and not paying attention to all the other things that are clamoring for your attention. Um, one suggestion from this consumerism article was to make shopping hard or inconvenient. Um, Amazon has made billions by making impulse buying as easy as anybody could ever imagine. <laughs> and he, def- Mr. Bezos definitely tapped into the game of, I have a thought, I click some buttons, and it shows up at my house the next day, which is the definition of impulse shopping. And the article suggested setting extra parameters on your shopping, like, I'm only going to buy organic materials or I want to buy eco-friendly products or maybe only things that are made in the USA. These extra criteria attached to your shopping slow you down and make buying more inconvenient because you have to find products that that qualify to your parameters. So it's not as easy to complete the impulse buying when you have to stop to find out if the uh, the product is eco-friendly or organic. So a slower buyer is a thinking buyer and not controlled as much by the marketing employees to impulse buy something. So it's it's a great way to disrupt your um, automatic impulse to click something quickly and make more money for Mr. Bezos. That's what I'm right. saying. <laughs> Who arguably has plenty of money already. He, he's, he's got plenty. He doesn't need more. Linda says, I, I've switched to reading e-magazines from the library, and that format seems to help me focus on the articles and quickly swipe past the ads. Plus, oh. I remind myself frequently that I have enough. I am enough. That's great. I like that. I also like the I have enough, I am enough um, mantra. You know, while you're shopping, you can say that too. <laughs> like if you're actually having to do shopping out or online, you can be having that thought in your head. While you're shopping. What a great idea. That's yeah. a good one. I, I think I mentioned to you that I'm reading Joshua Becker's The More mm. of Less. It's mm-hmm. one I'm considering, ha- we're talking about on the show. And um, he, one of his prompts, one of his questions that he suggests 
asking is what problem does this solve? Mm. And so before you get another of the thing you have so many of already, ask your, you know, ask yourself, make sure you ask that question before you hit the pay now button. What problem does this solve? And mm -hmm. if you don't have an, an obvious answer, put it in your wish list, save well, it for later. And if the answer is one of their talking points, like if they tell you, okay, this is going to solve this problem and you go, oh, wow, that's great. It'll solve that problem. Like it's not, if what you think it's going to solve is something they've told you it's going to solve, <laughs> that's not the talking point we're talking about. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, because because that's a big part, a big part of, mar of marketing is yeah. they're trying to figure out what problems of yours they can solve. And if they can't think of any, then they think of problems to create for you. Right. You know, problems to tell you you have. Right. You know. And then tell you that this is going to solve that problem. And so I yeah. think you need to ask yourself what problem is going to solve in your house and whether that problem is real or whether they've just suggested it to you. <laughs> right. I'm going to give the last comment to Naomi who says, I think I gave the last comment on the previous topic to Naomi. She's on fire today. <laughs> Naomi says, alcoholics need to avoid bars but also get some treatment or participate in programs for sobriety. Analogously, mm -hmm. we need to avoid ads, but also work on our internal psychological and spiritual state to break free from the idea that we are what we buy. Exactly. And that shopping as a mental health therapy is not a good long-term solution. <laughs> like there are moments in our lives when we go shopping to distract ourselves or we um, like the high of immediate gratification, or I, I remember there was a time in my life where I was really depressed around a breakup. And one of the things that I did was I would go shop, I would go out to stores and shop. And it was, it, it, it was, it was totally a depression mindset thing. I hate shopping. So the idea of shopping um, as an activity was crazy for me and it was a reflection of my uh, my mental health in that moment that I was not doing great I wasn't feeling great and going to shop somehow distracted me but recognizing that as a long-term coping mechanism it wasn't it didn't solve my problem it didn't make me better it just made me feel better in the moment and I had to do other things to get beyond that moment in time and get beyond that mental state and shopping was not the permanent solution. <laughs> and so, as she said, examining how, uh, what our own part in it is and what we need soothing, what we need healing around, what we need improvement around supports any efforts to avoid, <laughs> avoid buying triggers and then finding out why we're more susceptible and not able to be more controlled around that. Um, I want to also give credit for the the article we we quoted a few items from that that's yeah. from the minimalist vegan site and I've shared the link in the chat in Zoom and I'll also include that in the show notes. And the article isn't about vegan. It, the article is no, about right, minimalism. Right. Yeah, it's about, about avoiding the trap of consumerism. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and so it's a, good, it's a good one. So we'll share that with our audience. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a much longer article. It's very good. Okay, okay, let's our, move on, right? Our third topic today is similarities and similarities and differences between organizing styles and cluttering tendencies among siblings. 
Emma suggested this topic. She asked, do your siblings have the same organized or disorganized tendencies that you have? Why talk about siblings and organizing styles? Because siblings introduce the extra factor of coming from the same genetics and growing up in the same household. So in the nature versus nurture argument, each sibling is starting with the same genetic tree and affected by living in the same household. <laughs> then again, we all have a unique combination of DNA. So while one sibling might have ADHD and a terrible ability to focus, another sibling might be very neurotypical and not struggle with tax task sequencing at all. And then what about subsequent life events? Lots of people suddenly start to clutter in response to a traumatic event, like they had to get a divorce or they lost their job or the death of a spouse or a parent. This will likely only happen to one sibling and not to both equally. Well, not so the death of a parent one. Well, well yeah. But yeah, that, yeah, the other ones. Right, the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> so that trauma might send one sibling into cluttering habits while the one with no traumatic event to trigger is able to maintain their organized habits. Um, take my sister and I, she is definitely ADHD and very easily distracted, but she's also very high energy and in motion a lot. She struggles with focus, but she's also developed a lot of adaptive behaviors that help her to get things done anyway. Uh, as a contrast, I'm pretty low energy, despite thinking in an organized way. I can get things done, but I don't do anything as fast as she does. What about your siblings, Ed? You've got a large gene pool over to cover over there. Yeah, I'm I'm one of six and we're we're kind of all over the map honestly and and we grew up in a we grew up in a somewhat cluttered but not not like a not like a hoarding house. We grew up in right, right. a house that was as cluttered as you ex would expect a house with six kids six to be. Six kids, right? <laughs> and if, you know, people were coming over or, or something like that, there would be this sort of mad frenzy driven by mom's desperation where we all scrambled to put, you know, find and put away our own stuff. Clear um, the public areas. Yeah, and I'm uh, probably, of the six of us, I'm probably toward the uncluttered end of the spectrum. I like, I like things pretty clean and spartan. And if I were living by myself, it would be pretty clear. Um, but I think that, I think that, choices you make you know lifestyle choices you make the things you like to do and your 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 spouse and their inclinations right. are a huge influence if i as i look at my siblings i see you know in a, in every case the spouse is part of the equation for how thing how you know how they live and how it shakes out and how it shakes out and my sister who owns the runs the uh what do you call it the she has a resale business she's yeah a, yeah yeah she's a teacher in her in her day her regular job. life right <laughs> but but she really spends a whole lot more time on the other business because it's 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 a hobby that she's turned into an income stream but as a result her house always looks like a storage unit or a yeah it's a staging area for her business right yeah and she's always trying to get she's <laughs> constantly churning it and, and moving stuff out and trying to get to a, a better condition but it's sort of what she signed up for by having the resale business right you, know? you have to feed a resale business you have to feed it with stuff to buy and it has to be refreshed and churned all the time right to attract interest so 
yeah, she's got a whole different um, goal in mind. But she also finds the the hobby fun. Like she gets reward out of participating in the hobby. So she's kind of trading out. I allow myself to have my fun with this hobby. And the result is my house is a little more chaotic than yeah. I would probably other if I wasn't doing this hobby. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the sister whose husband is the most fastidious and organized. I will not say who that is, but you know them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> um, their house is always, well, since the kids moved out, their house yes. is always perfect. Their house is, you know, I only ever see their house when it's perfect. Right, right, right. You know. Yeah. And I realize that we mostly only see other people's houses when they're perfect if they're having a dinner party or something, right? So that's not really, <laughs> right. not the best. It's hard to judge in that But situation. I know that there's a box with mail in a closet somewhere. That they oh, yeah. swept off the counter and stuck in the corner, right? <laughs> I think, you know, people uh, have me over for dinner and then they're like, Oh God, Gail's going to notice all the things that are wrong here. And it's like, no, no, I'm off duty. I'm not thinking about that. I'm here to have your lovely food. I'm not here to think about your stuff. <laughs> oh uh, gosh. Kara says, my brothers are collectors as am I. I have worked hard to overcome this. So um, they don't, uh, they don't feel maybe they're like not it's a trying problem so hard. Is, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, but that is something like there is a genetic component to uh, they have proven that there's a genetic component to um, someone who is diagnosed with hoarding syndrome. And um, so it sort of runs in families, right? And if you collectively are on that end of the, not necessarily into hoarding, but if you're sliding down the scale a little bit towards we're all collectors, my parents were collectors, we learned that that was part of our fun, that was our family, you know, something we did together as a family or whatever. If you have that gene from your parents that collecting seems like fun then all of you are going to have to decide at what level um it's a problem for you and it sounds like car is on that journey to shift that shift that parameter a little bit so she's not collecting as much right good job uh diane says my sister is a neat freak me not so much mm. anita says my brother vacuums and then takes apart the vacuum to clean it. I empty oh. the dustbin on the vacuum and move on. <laughs> See, we all have our levels, right? <clears throat> and we all have the things that, that irritate us or that feel like are the most important thing to do. And we can't believe that other people don't do it the way that we do it. So we all have our thing, right? Yeah. Especially around cleaning. Well, you know, uh, my mom... I think her natural tendency, she was an only child of an only child. And so oh. I think her natural tendency was everything should be in a, a place for everything and everything in its place. Mm -hmm. But she decided to have six kids. And so silly girl, <laughs> I think the, the compromise she made was the kitchen. And so before she could go to bed at night, the kitchen had to be sterile. Mm. And and I still joke, I'll I'll go in the kitchen and clean for half an hour, 45 minutes, and I'll come out and I'll say to Jaime, well, it's not Gene Gumnick clean, <laughs> but, but you're not going to get sick from eating anything we prepare in there, you know? Right. And, and I'm sure your mother was like, I can't, I have eight people in the house that I have to keep well. 
And right. therefore, I cannot contribute by having this kitchen not be <laughs> safe, right? I can, yeah, I can. But see I think it, it was that. it was really more about clean. It needed to it needed to sparkle. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't. I don't think she was really thinking it about look safety. Pretty. It needed. Oh, to really? Be, yeah, it was. She it needed to, needed to be clean as clean, you know, so clean she knew that every surface was perfect. There you, you know? go. Okay, we are out of time, so we need oh, to talk yeah. about next week. Gail, would you believe it's been almost three years since we dedicated a whole episode to the topic of paper? That's crazy. You're kidding. And many of our audience members continue to struggle with paper. So <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, it's a big part of my business, man. We're going to talk next week about helpful approaches to both types of paper challenge, the new paper that keeps coming in and the backlog you're desperate to eliminate or reduce. Mm-hmm. I don't have a clever title for that one yet, but we'll be back next week, Tuesday, March 5th at the usual time. Okay. Why don't you give us the tittle? Okay. This week's tittle is titled Seeking Clarity. This week's assignment is to explore your personal balance between clarity and convenience, like we talked about earlier. Select a high-use area of your home, for example, the main bathroom counter, the area around the kitchen sink, the living room coffee table, or your bedside table. Set a frequency of use threshold, the target tolerance level for items left out in this area. For example, you might decide that the only items left in sight will be those that you use multiple times a day, or you might set a lower threshold by leaving out anything that you use at least once a day, a couple of times a week, once a week, etc. Pick the threshold that you want. Remove from the space and put away anything that doesn't meet the frequency of use threshold that you've decided on. And then live with the clear space for several days and pay attention to how it feels to use the area. Do you feel a greater sense of clarity? Are you inconvenienced by having to go looking for the items that you put away because you use them less frequently? Then make adjustments as needed to the frequency of use threshold you define for this area and continue to live with the new arrangement and notice what you notice. See how it affects your ability to function and, and how you feel while you're trying to function and see how that impacts your, uh, how you start your day and come back and tell us about it. Okay. If you're watching this on YouTube, we would love for you to join us live to get notifications about upcoming events. <clears throat> we invite you to join the meetup group by visiting cfhou.com slash meetup. You can also follow us on Facebook by visiting cfhou.com slash Facebook or join our mailing list by visiting cfhou.com slash subscribe. And we do not spam you. You get like the most we, I think most we have ever sent anyone is two emails in a week. And usually we're sending you um, the survey. If we do a survey, we send you out a survey so you can answer our questions in advance of a topic that we're going to talk about. And we will probably send out a paper survey um, this week. It makes sense for us to do that. Definitely. And um and then we're sending you, oh, by the way, the the the, the YouTube episode video is published. Is published. Yeah, right. here's the links. And so that's the kind of stuff we send. We love to hear from you. So please keep your questions, comments, and topic suggestions coming in you on YouTube, Facebook, or anywhere that you find us. You can always reach us through our website at clutterfairhouston.com. Thanks everybody for joining us this week. You know that we love it when you're here, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.